back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know. Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from Tax Act. Uh, seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously, Tax Act makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to Tax Act today and you can start for free. Or as we say at Radio Land, subtle. Tax Act. Tax Act. File for less and get more. See taxact.com for details. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Get Out of Rack. Today, uh, this episode is with Stuart Dorman, Chief Innovation Officer from Sabio. If you listened to uh, one of the episodes from last month, you'll know that Stuart was on then and we, we had a good chat. There's a couple of other topics that we didn't quite get around to talking about though. And so we met up again and Stuart today talks about AI. Really interesting subject, very topical. I certainly learned something, um, so hope you find it interesting. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap, and I'm joined again by overwhelming public demand, let's say, uh, Stuart Dorman, uh, Chief Innovation Officer from Sabio. Hi Stu, thanks for coming back on. Hey Martin, thanks. It was really enjoyed the last show, so really good to be back. Yeah, it was just, you know, there were people, it was a campaign. They didn't hear enough. Um, We had a lot of topics that we could have talked about. Um, And as is the way with these things, the conversation goes a certain way. So Mm. just remembering where, kind of where we were. um, One of the things really, and it's one I'm I'm definitely interested in, but I feel like I have a gap, Mm. um, is in AI. And I know it's yeah. something you're knowledgeable and passionate about. Mm-hmm. Where for you did the whole concept, especially when you think about contact centers, but where for you did the whole concept of AI first start becoming a thing? What is its history for us? So um, we've been building um, speech applications for contact centers now at Sabio, I've been in heavily involved in this for probably, you know, certainly over 15 years. Um, so that, that you know, speech is, is a form of AI, if you like. Um, and historically, um, it was much more structured um, in terms of the way that we would use speech to engage a customer, to um, allow them in a more natural way to express what it is they were looking to do and to capture information from that customer to allow them to complete a task. Um, And obviously, you know, speech is just a more natural way of doing that than pressing buttons on a telephone keypad. Um, And it obviously allows you to access more information. So things like alphanumeric, you know, postcodes and vehicle registration numbers and, you know, more complex entities, if you like, that we can capture from callers that you just simply couldn't do with a telephone keypad. So, you know, many people probably wouldn't refer to that as AI in the way that we think of it today, but but it's certainly, you know, using a form of artificial intelligence, which is, you know, the use of speech recognition to um, allow customers, as I say, to interact in a more natural way. Over the last few years in particular, we've seen a real um, explosion in the use of this technology, predominantly driven by the big cloud vendors, the Microsofts and the Amazons and the Googles in particular, and lots and lots of people had a lot more exposure to this technology through the likes of Alexa and Siri, you know, they could issue commands to these devices and 
people started to become more familiar with it. But the underlying technology that was driving that change as well in the cloud, you know, particularly the use of machine learning, has resulted in significant improvements in the abilities of that technology to converse with people in a more natural way, you know, to allow us to be much more open in the way that we, we engage with a computer to, to accomplish a task. And we're now seeing the application of that technology to the contact centre where we can, you know, expand on the capabilities of what we would once have called an IVR and start to do much more complex things with it, both on the chat channel, which we know as chatbots, and now increasingly on the voice channel, which we once would have called an IVR. People call it a voice bot now, but, um, but you know, it, it's actually much more uh, sophisticated than that. Now, the way I, I tend to think of this, really, it's, it's a bit like we've just introduced another user interface. And if you kind of take it back, maybe even over 20 years, you know, for the last couple of decades, we've seen um, digital tools manifested through graphical user interfaces, if you like. So the web and then mobile applications as creating these um, tools that we as customers could use to interact with organizations and actually get things done and accomplish tasks and make payments and make purchases and so on. Um, and we're still, you know, we're still a long way from that being perfect. We're still on that journey, you know, 20 plus years in. Uh, we still see lots of organisations that really haven't exploited the web as a digital channel yet as a way of engaging their customers. But the challenges with, with graphical user interfaces are that they can be quite rigid. So, you know, you might have a, a caller or a customer, if you like, that has a really good understanding of your product or your service. They maybe understand the terminology that's used in your industry and they might breeze through, you know, accomplishing a task on a graphical user interface, you know, which is, which is quite natural to them. But if it's somebody that is less comfortable, less familiar using those tools, maybe they haven't made the effort to seek out and find where they can actually active, you know, carry that task out or, or maybe they just have a few questions and they're not, they're, they don't have the assurance to accomplish that task on a graphical user interface. Um, historically they would have had to have picked up the phone and called the call center and that's what humans are great at you know we can talk to customers and adapt our language and conversation mm. in a way that customers can understand and they can probe and query and ask questions and gain confidence before completing that task in a way they couldn't have always have done with a graphical user interface and for me i think this is where uh, conversational user interfaces start to come into play because they allow organizations to expose their processes in a way that's much more natural for people to understand and to probe and to converse and gain the confidence before they 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 get the task done so i think that's kind of where we are in this journey and i think that's where ai you know in, in the context of contact centers and customer services right now and um, we're probably right now where e-commerce was 20 years ago you know we, we're kind of at those early stages of it becoming a uh, a way of opening up the engagement from a, between a customer and an organization but like i say there's still a huge opportunity and still a long way to go do you i mean that is that's fascinating first of all but do you think then to help with this evolvement that the concept of kind of continual improvement is is really important because as a consumer or reading and just being in a, a customer focused world you'll often hear, or I've had experiences of thinking, I need to contact this company. 
I will prefer to use the web chat and I understand it's not a human. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like a, a challenge to overcome to think, right, mm -hmm. I've got, I'm somehow going to have to find the right phrase, but it will yeah. refer me to a human. Yeah. Is part of this, this what you're saying here about this uh, involvement, but companies will have to understand it's far better for me not to see this as a challenge to overcome mm. rather than how, you know, do they, do they learn from it and think, mm. why is this person trying to just constantly say, refer me to an agent or mm. why is it that they can't service that element of my request in the same way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your, your first point is, is, is so crucial. You know, this idea about this being, an organic ongoing process much in the way that you would bring in a new starter to your organization and you would continually develop them to understand your processes and, and improve the way they engage with customers and just get better at what they do you know the same principles apply to uh, conversational ai conversational design um, and starting small is crucial in our experience um, going on a journey which will take many years. You know, it's something that organisations need to commit to for the long term um, to really exploit what this technology can deliver for them. Um, I think it's really important to look at this as a long-term thing. And I think it's important to start thinking about um, the tasks that agents in call centres in particular do today and I, I sometimes refer to them as human APIs. You know, if, if you're just processing a task for a customer simply because it's too hard for that customer to carry out the task themselves on the website, i.e., you know, it's too complicated or they can't find it or, or maybe they can't be bothered in some cases. But the, the human in that instance isn't really adding huge amounts of value. They're simply translating the conversation and, and inputting it into a system. Um, and you know, that's something I think that this technology can do relatively quickly to streamline that process and make it much better for customers because they're not having to sit in a queue and wait through to get through to somebody, but equally free up the role of the human in the contact center to actually focus on where they can add value. And I think where they can add value is um, reassuring customers, you know, allowing them to probe and get a better understanding about whatever process or uh, service or product it is they're looking to consume from, from you as an organisation. And that's what humans are good at. And I think if we can make sure that they are focused on that um, and not having to just be human APIs and transact and, you know, process data from a, from a, from a customer into a system, I think that's, that's where um, the, the real opportunities are. Now, obviously, as this technology gets increases in sophistication, it will allow um, more probing to take place, if you like, from the customer and allow them to maybe deviate off in a different direction, get a question answered, get some reassurance um, and, and then process that task. But, you know, it's a it's a it's an ongoing um, process of evolution to get the technology to uh, to perform in that way. And, and like I say, that's a that's a multi multi year journey. And that, um, I mean, I wouldn't want to come across as a luddite. I utilize and, and love the technology when it when it works, and it throws up all kinds of 
in a way like philosophical questions um it's interesting to hear your point around where where we as humans in the contact center world and the frontline team members and agents sort of fit into this changing um environment because for me everything of worth happens in a relationship yeah and i guess what you're saying then is we'll have to skill people better to be able to deal with these more escalated mm. um, queries, you would like to think, and be able to and be skilled enough to establish a, a relationship, maybe quicker, better than they, than they currently do, because so much has been done by AI before that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can look at AI, but you can also it's it's in that context it probably makes sense to look at it as another digital technology because the same the same arguments apply to the web or to mobile apps you know they're, they're all they're doing is streamlining the ability for the customer to accomplish a task um in a way that doesn't involve a human so you're right you know what what does that do to the relationship with the customer does it diminish it or does it improve it because the customer is able to get things done much quicker without having to sit in a queue and, and speak to somebody um, at least for the simple things you know at least for those simple tasks or at least accessing information or making payments or you know and, and those obviously the complexity of those tasks will will grow over time um, but then freeing up time for the things that you've just described which are relationship building um, being there for the customer being able to take time to build a relationship and understand what they're looking to do and um, adding value where it, where it, you know, the values needed, you know, in terms of, um, like, like I say, you know, not just processing simple interactions, but actually explaining and, and, you know, build, building a, a strong relationship. I, I, I really think that's where um, the future of, of the contact center sits, you know, as that frontline in, in customer experiences, it's, it's spending more time doing those things and equipping agents with the right tools to be able to focus on that relationship instead of having to work lots of different platforms and systems and user interfaces. So that that's that's yeah, I think that's the direction that I see things heading. Do you think the do you think the pandemic has um, made people more receptive or broken down? Maybe some misperceptions because more and more things have, have been done in a in a different way just thinking about maybe how you interact with your gp which was you know let's be honest previously a bastion of a traditional there's a get past the receptionist and then speak to the you know now certainly mm. it's online it's quick you can do a lot of it now without even speaking to anyone yeah As, will we kind of look back do you think at the pandemic and think that this has given us a bit of a a leg up yeah uh, absolutely i mean you know some people say that it's accelerated things by five or ten years i, I think really? possibly even i think it's accelerated some things by a, an entire generation I, I really do think it's wow you know this the, the last year 2020 has been an absolutely profound year in terms of the way that we as a society i think um operate you know the way that we engage with uh, with each other and with organizations um 
and and I think arguably that's kickstarted things like the environmental movement, which has been there for years. But all of a sudden, we're taking things like that seriously. You know, it's it's ushered in so much change. Um, and I think what, when we're through this this you know this pandemic and out the other side, I think we'll look back as as there being a huge amount of positive change that that's come out of this. And you mentioned doctors as one example. Um, and I think we touched on this in the last podcast, you know, a lot of these technologies have been around for years, mm. the ability to do video and, and, you know, share screens and stuff like that, but they haven't really been embraced. And what the pandemics uh, uh, force people to do in many cases is to start to use these technologies uh, in a really positive way to engage with organizations, to get access healthcare. And largely speaking, it's been incredibly positive and we're still in the early stages, but it's driven a huge amount of productivity into the system, into healthcare, into organizations, into customer service. And um, so I, I think we'll definitely continue to uh, take advantage of some of these changes that have taken place. And equally, if you think about it from a consumer perspective, you know, we've got we all know people that would never have dreamed of doing their shopping online you know, order, ordering their groceries online or doing their banking online. These are people that, because of the pandemic, have been forced to do it. And again, quite a few of those. doesn't mean they're never going to go to the supermarket again, but they will certainly think um, and have more confidence in engaging in e-commerce, you know, for groceries, for buying clothes, et cetera, um, because they've been forced to do it and they've, they've actually learned that it works pretty well for them. So... Yeah, I think I think it's really it's really quite exciting some of the changes that are being ushered in because of what happened in 2020, and um, I think it's it's just a real pivotal point in in the way that we as a society, you know, engage with and, and embrace technology uh, in the way that we conduct our day to day lives. I just want to um, ask you about um, in your experience, maybe with your some of your clients. You don't need to name them, of course, but. Um, who are the ones in the call centre world that you would say are getting it right when it comes to using AI and mm-hmm. imp- like implementing it, using it to the benefit of their employees and their um, customers? Yeah. Who you know? What are, are there any commonalities that they all share mm-hmm. that you could share that you could share now? Sort of kind of tips on if you're going to do it, this is these are the things you need to do to get it right. Yeah. Sure. So. I think almost starting with with some of the challenges that we see first is, is a good way of, of starting sort of framing the conversation. Because the technology now has become quite democratised, you know, it's become easier to mm. use, it's become much, much cheaper, it's accessible from the cloud. Um, we've seen lots of organisations start to experiment with building simple chatbots and frequently asked questions and, you know, with a with a couple of dialogue terms, as we call it, a couple of questions and answers, and actually think, oh, this is pretty easy. You know, we can we can build this out. But they're massively under, underestimating the complexity of building out a full conversation or mm-hmm. conversational journey that can come close to you know replicating some of the conversations that take place in a call center, let's say. So if you think about every turn of the dialogue, every every question and answer response. Um, you almost be, it almost becomes exponentially more hard to manage the conversation simply because we as humans go off in different tangents, 
you know, there's a thousand different ways that we can ask a question. There's a lot of different ways that we can respond. You know, we often hesitate, you know, we go back on things and we ask questions again. So managing that complexity and trying to build and design an AI, if you like, to to replicate what a a fully, you know, end-to-end conversation becomes incredibly difficult incredibly quickly. So, so often one of the failures that we see is that organizations to start going down this route, have a, a bit of success with their simple applications, but massively underestimate the commitment that it takes to really make this work at scale. And, and you come back in a week and they've written on the, the walls, they've gone completely insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chatbot done, tick, yeah, okay, now, uh, yeah, let's put it in the call center and uh, crikey, you know. And, and that's what humans are great at. And, you know, we, can, we can respond and we can you know adapt our language and rephrase questions and you know we we, we're just it's such a natural way for us to converse you know doing that through conversation um and and like I say it it becomes very hard to do that at scale um but so so it takes a lot of thought about design and it it takes a a big commitment to, to making that work and that commitment um is about Firstly, you know, I think, again, we talked about this before, but cross-functional teams, making sure that the operations are involved because clearly they understand how customers converse. They understand the language that people use, making sure that there's an element of engineering development because they're going to be needed to access the back-end systems, Um, making sure that you think about design, you know, conversational design. Um, It takes someone that really understands on almost at a sort of psychological level how we as humans converse and to construct and engineer conversations in that way you know these are all the types of skills that we have within Savio and the organizations need if they're really going to embrace this so it's very much about process it's very much about organizational design to make sure you've got these these people and these teams in place working together um, it's about you know to your point at the start thinking in an agile way and, and making change in an iterative way that leverages data and, and um, you, you know, we live in a constantly changing world where you've got new products and services coming out the whole time. And, and obviously the, the, the AI needs to adapt to that and understand that. And, and therefore it needs constant input to be able to you know, understand what's going on. I mean, COVID, there's a word didn't even barely exist, you know, 12 months yeah. ago. So, you need to tell the system what that is and, and how to respond yeah. to it. So, um, so I think that that's the, the, the profile of organizations that really are leading, you know, leading this. And I mean, world leading, you know, some of our clients, I think are really world leading in this space. Um, those are the kind of elements of, of, um, of, you know, not just technology, but, but organizational design, agile thinking, and those are those elements that they've actually got together and they're really working to help them take advantage of this, this technology. Um, you know, we, we're doing some really great work with an organisation called HomeServe at the moment. You've probably all heard of them. Yeah. Um, been a customer of ours for many years at Savio. But I would say that, you know, they are really, really do have a world leading um, approach to implementing this technology they're committed to the long run. You know, they've got a really solid sort of five-year program of rolling this technology out. They've already seen some fantastic wins, but they're just really set up to um, to exploit what what this technology can do for them. And it's delivering sort of great experiences for customers. But it's 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 a really key part of 
the call center as we know it today you know i think call centers of the future are not just going to be made up of people they're going to be made up of technology and it's important to get that really you know that right blend of of people and technology and the technology being controlled by the call center um, as a way of engaging with customers in the future um, we've got another really good example a customer of ours called love holidays and they're also using this technology but in a slightly different way so they're using it within the call center to help agents out mm. so and what would happen what happens with love holidays is that um the uh the, the the technology listens into the conversation that's taking place between the advisor and the customer um and is there to to offer suggestions and present bits of knowledge or information that might be useful to help the agent you know conduct the conversation or if it's a chat conversation if it's a web chat conversation which increasingly i think a lot of their demand is through web chat it's just constantly you know offering up um suggestions of how to respond you know based on maybe what the most successful agent in the call center is is how they're responding to customers and sort of adapting the language based on that so it's, it's being used as a helper it's being used to drive more productivity and more effectiveness but also you know at the same time educating advisors mm -hmm. on how to respond and just making it much quicker for them to you know to get a quality response back to the customer so that's a, that's a, there's a couple of examples there of, of what I consider to be world leading, you know, uh, implementations of this technology. And, you know, we, we've got lots of other customers that are in similar situations as well. I really like the kind of reminder that actually it can be inward facing to help streamline and get your teams just operating that kind of top performer modeling. Mm. to utilize AI to kind of really understand why someone is good and then help share that in a really consistent, agile way yeah. to the, the wider team is great. I love the sound of that. Yeah. It's, in some ways, it's a bit like, you know, you, you talk about the way that self-driving cars work. And, you know, there was, if someone has a crash in Michigan or, you know, the system learns from it and it propagates that knowledge across every single car within the network, you know, relatively quickly. That's how machine learning and the development of these algorithms works. And, and you know, you can apply that same principle to the contact centre, you know, absolutely sharing that knowledge as quickly as possible. And also, crucially, making it available at the right point in time yeah. you know, at people's fingertips at the exact second that they need it so that they can respond in in the right way they're still in control of the conversation they've just got a helper there that, that gives them information to respond quickly and in a knowledgeable way do you what, what would be your um response or view on maybe you know we're, we're just in the uk we've recently done the census we haven't seen the results but i imagine it's going to show where an aging population Mm -hmm. um, there's the demographics that we have. Do you want, do you, I've read some articles in the past around people being left behind, groups being left behind, mm -hmm. and maybe the pandemic has actually helped people get up to speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I imagine it's something that's kind of levied at technology quite often in terms of, mm -hmm. if you think about our parents and grandparents and um, how savvy are they at being able to, to respond. Mm. Um, a few years ago, and it's sort of making sure that our leadership team were all 
staying in touch I went home we did back to the floor I loved it it's where I started mm. and um I thought I was doing really well and I was speaking to an old lady and she she said oh, do you mind if I ask you a question I said mm. yeah sure by all means go ahead and she said are you human <laughs> <laughs> and I like to think it was because I was sounding so polished yeah but it really stuck with me that and this was a long this was five years ago I think but wow um it made me it made me think if there's people that are worried about that or this mm. kind of the utilizing this technology worries people mm. what would what's your view on that that's a that's a really interesting point i love i love that question and it, and it you know it's, <laughs> it's i think to your first point um i do think that the the pandemic has accelerated um the uptake of, of digital tools, yeah. websites, mobile apps, etc. Um, because the, you know, there's no doubt that you know the younger generations, and I'm talking about my kids here as, as much as anything, yeah. will just instinctively reach for a screen um, as, as the first point of, of you know a comp- carrying out a task or, or trying to do something. You know, they use a screen to contact their friends. They will. They've just been trained to do that really because it's there and it's ubiquitous and and I think our generation, you know, are mostly fairly tech savvy as well. Uh, but we grew up being trained to pick the phone up and speak to people. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a long time to shift those behaviours. I think, I think, you know, we are doing it, obviously. But it, it's very easy for us to fall back on the phone um, as a way of not quite sure about this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to speak to somebody mm. to get this problem solved. And then I think probably older generations, again, it's it's... So it's a kind of spectrum, really, you know, older generations and would, would always reach for the phone first and pick the phone up and, and try and speak to somebody. Now, the interesting thing I think about this technology is that it should, in any great technology should ultimately become invisible. It's, you shouldn't even realise that it's there. And I think um, that's, what, that's, what's become, that's what's quite exciting about conversational AI really and and even if you think back to you know the web and when when we first started going online it was actually quite a faff to get your laptop out power it up you know some cases dial up in the early days but then getting getting the process of getting online took you a few minutes and that was an obstacle that got in the way and we kind of take it for granted now but again when you know I know we touched on this before again but the iPhone and the iPad came along they were like instant on devices you could instantly get online and within a few seconds you were engaging in digital content. So that had a huge impact, I think, in encouraging people to go to that channel first and and use digital tools as their first point of contact, even if it was just to browse a website, find the phone number and then pick the phone up, you know, at least we were encouraging people to do that. But now we're at the point where um, even if people do pick the phone up, or if they go online, but particularly if they pick the phone up, um, we're starting to be able to treat the phone as a digital channel. And that's how we've got to think of it. You know, by putting a voice bot on the end of a phone, it becomes a digital channel, just one that we happen to converse with using our voice as opposed to, you know, a graphical interface that we use our eyes to engage with. And therefore, I think, you know, we'll come a point where the lady that you spoke to will probably be right you know I think they're probably it probably will 
Well, it, it will get to the point where the act of having a conversation with an AI um, is almost indistinguishable from the conversation with a human. And that's a good thing. Now, what we need to be careful of is that we don't kind of hoodwink people into thinking they're talking to a human when actually they're talking to a bot. But that's just a design thing. You know, that's just a, um, you know, we we just need to make it clear to people. And and what's quite interesting, you know, even if you think about where this particular technology is heading, particularly with uh, the progress that we're seeing around synthesized voice at the moment. And you probably I don't know if you saw recently there was a deep fake around. I think it was Tom Cruise online and and the deep fake had, you know, it used a, a machine learning algorithm to replicate Tom Cruise's voice and and actually his image as well. And it was almost indistinguishable yeah. from him, you know, so people get hoodwinked into that that kind of thing. Now, imagine if um, you get called by someone in a call centre and it sounds just like your mum or, you know, just like somebody that you know, you know, it's, it's targeting that specifically at you and it's trying to use that as a way of connecting with you to try and maybe convince you to buy something or, you know. Well, or, if my mum's suggesting that I'm going to do the opposite. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, fair point. But, but the, the, the point being, you know, we, the technology is moving quickly enough for it to be indistinguishable. I think that we are, that you're speaking to a chatbot or a voice bot versus a human. And equally, you know, that the voice itself can be tailored very specifically either to you as an individual or certainly to you as a brand so that the advert I've just heard on TV, the person speaking sounds exactly like the person that answers the call when I call into your organisation. It feels like I'm speaking to that celebrity or, you know, that, that person that I've just heard on the advert. So, um, so I think there are some moral um, and, you know, ethical considerations that we need to factor in to make sure that people are clear that they are engaging with a, with a bit of technology versus engaging with a human. Um, and I think they'll just, you know, the, the moral compass of most organisations will mean that they try to make that as clear as possible. And I think there's something in that though around, I was just thinking then, just as a, as a consumer myself, ultimately, if I'm, an, if I'm engaging with a company, I have a desire, I want something, I need something done. Mm-hmm. if it's done and I'm treated well that's that's ultimately all I want and I guess mm-hmm. if there's a if technology enables a consistently good level of service to be delivered because that even used to be something as a starting as a team leader then as an operations I would think as a customer sometimes it depends whether you get Jack or Laura as to mm-hmm. how good your service is going to be because mm-hmm. I know if you get Laura, it's going to be brilliant. Jack, yeah. if it's a night after he's done five-a-side football, mm. it's not going to be great for the yeah. first few hours. You know, yeah, I guess yeah. this kind of this kind of deployment of technology done the right way, still supported and enhanced by um, humans, should see us raise standards of customer service. I, I think it. I think it should do. Yeah, and and. Like I say, you know, you've got if if you're simply calling in to accomplish a task and get something done, then I think that's where this technology delivers a lot of value because you can get that thing done super quickly without having to sit in a queue and, and, and speak to somebody. And I think that's a good thing. 
when when you sort of tip beyond just wanting to get something done to seeking advice or seeking reassurance or you know looking for help um i think that's where the human touch really starts to come into play and come into its own and what we need to get really good at doing is using the technology to identify people that are on that journey and get them really quickly to the person that can solve their problem and has the most knowledge around that particular issue you know to deliver a great experience and then filter out those those simple transactional things and just hopefully try and solve them you know using the digital technology um, and, and in terms of, you know, the, the inconsistencies between us as humans, you know, I, th I think um, that obviously that they will always exist. And that could depends on, like you say, it could be the time of day. It could be whether you've had a good night or a bad night or an argument with your wife or husband at home or something like that. You know, all of those things can, can affect how we're performing. Um, and you know that, that I guess that's just that's just human. That's what makes it interesting, really, isn't it? That's, that's just human nature. But you know, I think we just need to make sure that um, we are able to use the tools, the AI tools and the digital tools, to if somebody is going off track, maybe give them a nudge and saying, you know, make sure you keep the conversation on track. Have you, you know, here's here's a suggested response. Um, we can use it as a bit of a coach as well as as just a, you know. A, a, a taking the interaction away completely and automating it to help people deliver a better experience. And what do you think then? Um, I guess this must be a question you get asked all the time, actually. Um, where's this all heading? So for the ways that we work and the ways we're going to be working, where's it going or where would you like to see it go? So I think... Um, you know, I think it's realistic over the next few years for organisations to, to, to if they take this seriously and really embrace this technology to, you know, possibly optimise the demand in their contact centre, maybe by reducing, you know, some of our clients are looking sort of anywhere between 20 and 30, maybe even 40 percent of those simple tasks being taken away and, and automated. Um, but that, you know, again, targeting the remaining interactions to individuals that really have a deep understanding about how to solve those problems. Um, and I think really that that will be better for customers because they'll be able to get their simple problems solved really quickly. And it should be better for, you know, the people that work within the organisation because they're doing more interesting things. And I also, by the way, think that um, and I think we touched on this before, but, you know, for every call that's taken away by digital technology, um, there's the, the, the contact centre itself is evolving and taking on more tasks as the high street evolves, you know, yeah. as we do more through digital channels and we need that help and support. So, you know, I, I think the, the role of the contact centre itself is expanding almost at the same time, if you like, as, as digital technology is taking away those simple transactional tasks. So, you know, I do think that over the next few years, pretty much every interaction that hits a call centre will be fronted with us with a, a chatbot or a voice bot of some sort. Um, I, I sort of refer to it a bit like a concierge, you know, let, let's at least ask the customer, hey, thank you for calling. How can I help you today? And, and use it a bit like a concierge to establish what their intent is 
and then make a, a decision off the back of it. That's that's a really smart use of this technology, and it gives you a really solid foundation from which to to build and and um, you know grow the capabilities based on what's actually happening as opposed to what you you think might be happening. Um, so I, I, you know I, I think that's where it's heading, um, but but we are a long 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 way away, you know, decades away from. Uh, the technology being able to answer all of the myriad of complex, you know, questions and inquiries that, that most contact centres take today. You know, it's, it's it's we're a long way from this dystopian vision, if you like, of AI being able to to, to answer any question. Um, but but I, I think organisations that really should be thinking about this now and starting on this journey. You know, a bit like when you first put your website out there. You know, you you have to accept that. You're not just going to switch it on and within six months, it's all going to be perfect and it's going to be yeah. ready to use and customers are going to embrace it. It really is a, an ongoing multiple multi-year journey. The technology will improve over that period. People's understanding of how to use it improves. Um, it becomes cheaper and, and lower cost, you know, to, to, to build things and do things. So getting started as soon as possible, I think, is, is the right thing to do and just starting to make it just a part of how you run your operation. And I, I guess it must be that um, you have to have identified something where you think the use of a chatbot or a voice bot can make an improvement as opposed to just thinking, oh, we really should be jumping on this bandwagon. Mm. Because yeah, you might see benefits, I guess, but unless you're unless you're doing it to make a specific improvement or to overcome a specific challenge, mm. you, well, I guess you must see this all the time as people go, and I think we should have it, but they don't really know why. Yeah, the, we and I think that as I sort of touched on earlier, has has led to quite a few people getting excited about what the technology can do, building something that they think. Is solving a problem putting it live and the reality is it doesn't really have much of a, of a proper business impact yeah. um and therefore they thought actually this doesn't really work this technology is not working let's let's back out and maybe let's look somewhere else for the next exciting thing in our experience um identifying the best use cases for this technology should be driven by the customer and what i mean by that is you know you you switch it on and you just let it sit there for a while, passively asking questions of customers. Hey, how can I help you? Customer says, oh, I'm looking to do X, Y, Z today. And then just passing that on to the call center in the way that you would do normally. But gradually, and I say gradually, you know, we, we typically would run this over an eight week period where we, we process a, a, a number of calls through the platform. We listen to why people are calling and we, we let the data drive the process. We let the data that we capture from customers inform where the opportunities are to sort of build, you know, step two, step three, step four, and, and continue on that journey. So everything that we do is driven by data and, and by data that's being generated by customers. And quite often what you see is you, there might be some really, really simple inquiries about, I don't know, maybe opening hours or something like that, something really simple that, you know, today will be falling through there and getting through to a call centre agent and just wasting their time. But you can often pick off these, you know, these simple inquiries quite quickly. And, you know, within a, 
relatively short space of time to start delivering value, but also at the same time quantifying the opportunities for some of those bigger, you know, more complex tasks um, that, that people are calling in about and just really using the data to inform where the opportunities are, what the cost will be to deflect this, you know, this inquiry, what will the impact be on customer experience and how long will it take us to build this out? And then you can just apply, you know, a simple return on investment to, to look at that and decide whether it's worthwhile doing or not. Well, this has been really illuminating and informative as was the previous one. And we still have a number of topics left to, to go through. Um, so absolutely, as long as you're okay with it, come back on and we'll do, we'll do yeah, another one um, yeah. in the next couple of weeks. But um, Stu from Savio, thanks very much for sharing your knowledge. I, I definitely found it informative and I know people will have done uh, who will listen as well. So thanks very much for coming on. Brilliant. Thanks again for having me. everyone hope you enjoyed that uh, i'm sure as i mentioned there stuart will be back on again shortly some other topics to talk about whilst you're here i just wanted to talk to you about two guests that had been on previously and i've been lucky enough to work with them my team have benefited from working with them and i count them as friends now and that's donna elliot and cheryl lee of now is your time they used to work in contact centers and then set up their own coaching business, um, particularly aimed at uh, women in business, but I too have benefited and men can also benefit. Now is your time. Uh, a great uh, company, two amazing people. And I just wanted to let you know about a free course they're offering. You're going to have to be quick to sign up because it ends, uh, the, the sign up is Thursday, I believe. It starts Thursday. So... That's the 13th um, of May. I will drop the link where you can sign up. It's a free course um, specifically focused on imposter syndrome, something I posted about the other day. Uh, I suffered from it myself. I still have to manage that, I think. Um, they are doing a course. It's a free five-day course, which is the reason I'm I'm sharing it. It's too good to miss. And it's called Self-Doubt to All Out um, and How to Banish Imposter Syndrome. So there's already been 600 people, I think, sign up. So I'm just, uh, I want to use a podcast to share interesting content and helpful things. And uh, Donna and Cheryl definitely fit into that bracket. They're always doing great things. So please do check them out. And finally, as always, I'm going to drop the link for the Just Giving page for Naomi House and Jack's Place, the charity that the podcast is associated with. It's a great charity that offers uh, respite and care to children and their families who, uh, where the children have been diagnosed with life-limiting illnesses. Um, a terrible um, subject, of course, but however... Naomi House and Jack's Place are places full of life um, and that's what makes them so awesome. But they rely on donations for 90% of their funding. Um, so please do check them out as well. Thanks for your time, everyone, and um, see you soon.
Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's Partner Plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin. See website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Nutrisystem, Inc.